Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a Pen and a Napkin podcast, the weekly coaching clinic that you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome to episode number 70, and thrilled to have Zach Foster, the boys' basketball coach at Hastings Adams Central High School, on the podcast this morning. Uh, we're recording this on Sunday morning, and you guys will be hearing it about 24 hours from now. So, But before we get going with Coach Foster, we, of course, want to recognize our sponsor, Cosac Chiropractic. Uh, for sponsoring the podcast. If you have any questions about uh, COSAC Chiropractic and their services, you can check out their website at COSACChiro, that's K-O-S-A-K-C-H-I-R-O.com, or to make an appointment, give them a call at 402-964-0300. Just be sure to let them know that a pen and a napkin sends you. Follow us on Twitter at a pen and a napkin. We try to put out daily coaching tidbits on the Twitter handle, so be sure to follow us there. If you're listening, you're on SoundCloud or iTunes, so download, rate, and review. Give us five stars so that we can get the word out and gain momentum in the ratings so we can help out as many coaches as we can and help them hone their craft. And, of course, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, be sure to email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Coach, how are we doing this morning? A, a, a little right, right in the smack dab mid-morning recording time. You got to sleep in some, but at the same time, you don't feel like your your whole day is taken up by me bothering you here. I'm doing great. I uh, really appreciate you having me on. Looking forward to it. Awesome, awesome. So uh, you're just coming down here, played in the state championship. We were kind of talking before we started recording. Uh, your team played in the state title game last Saturday. Always takes a few days to come down from any season, but let alone playing in that championship game. I've been fortunate enough to be there a couple of times, and um, you know, just kind of talk about the, the the process of of decompressing after uh, it's a it's a great run. It, you wouldn't trade it for the world. It's it's you know when it comes to the wins and losses, it's why we do it. But there's also that 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 come down that 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 coming down from that high that that exhaustion that you go through going on a long run you know kind of well how do you handle that what is kind of the process you've gone through these last few days well you know um the people that i've always learned from in this have always told me that when you have the end of a season especially with a special season and a special group it's almost like losing a loved one and you have to go through kind of the stages of grief and um you know for me personally with this run it was obviously very special because my son was a senior, my oldest boy, and, um, you know, I'd watch his class kind of grow and develop from second grade on, and they've accomplished some amazing things, uh, getting the state tournament three consecutive years and getting the state football finals this year. And, um, you know, you kind of believe, you started to kind of fall in love with the storyline that you thought maybe this would be the year that we'd get it done, and then to get so close and, um, you know, taste it and then have it not quite get it done at the end was, was difficult, but, um, you know, honestly, the first couple of days I was okay. And about the middle of this week, it kind of hit me more that I was never going to be able to coach those guys again. And, um, you know, it, it, it's easy to be sad, but at the same time, they accomplished so much. You just, you're so proud. And the sadness I think I have is just because of, again, knowing that I'm not going to be around those guys again in that atmosphere and just kind of appreciating all the great things we went through. So just time and talking to coaches, I respect that is probably the biggest thing I've done to kind of deal with everything. Yeah. And I think you get to the point, Coach Finley at Iowa State, he always says, uh, don't cry because it's over, smile because it happened. And, and it takes some perspective, it takes some time to get away from it, and eventually, you know, that, that'll, be the, uh, that'll be the point that you'll be at, obviously. That's, so. that's really funny that you said that, because we had one meeting this week in the middle of the week to discuss check-in and postseason items, and I always put pictures on the screen, and the picture I had was that exact quote, mm-hmm. um, you know, the exact thing you just said, um, so it's funny you said that. Yeah. 
Uh, by the way, sorry I was sneezing in the background there. I, I gotta love you gotta love spring allergies here. So absolutely. Um, so hey, coach, uh, let, let's just kind of go into for, for the folks that don't know a whole lot about you. I'd like to start out with just uh, you having the opportunity to kind of give your background, how you ended up at Hastings Adams Central, uh, how you got your start in coaching, that type of a thing. So uh, go ahead and just tell us a little bit about yourself for for the folks that don't know you very well. Well, I grew up in uh, Stanford, Nebraska. Um, went to Orleans High School, which is a little tiny school that is no more. I was in the last class of their school in 1995. And then the next year, my wife actually was a senior at Southern Valley High School. Okay. So Orleans consolidated with Oxford and Beaver City down by Kansas. And so I went from there to UNL. Um, I loved the game, but I knew I wasn't athletic enough necessarily to play. Um, so I just wanted to be around big time sports. So I went to Nebraska. Um, was lucky enough to be there at a great time. I got involved in the athletic training program, so I was I have like a big uh, Big Twelve championship ring from being part of swimming and diving, and then I have a national championship football ring from Coach Osborne's last season. Um, but through that process, which was a great process uh, with the athletic training part of college, I kind of figured out I didn't really want to be a trainer. I wanted to coach. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be around kids, but I wanted to coach. And so I kind of I went education. Um, I got lucky enough. I student taught at Lincoln Northeast, and, and Chip Ball was the uh, head coach there jimmy Motes um was a uh a senior the year i student taught and then um my first job was in donovan at donovan trumbull i was there for nine years um and uh, i had some good experiences there and then i was jv coach for three years head coach for six and then i went to adam central um just finished my 12th year at adam central um so just uh, finishing up my 21st year in coaching and education right now Awesome, awesome. That, that uh, Jimmy Motes, uh, former guest of a pen and a napkin podcast. So uh, he was on a uh, last spring, I think it was. Uh, uh, had Jimmy yeah, I bet so. Jimmy's pretty happy this morning with the old Creighton Blue Jays getting the win last night. <laughs> well, they uh, they did their best to snatch defeat out of the jaws of victory a couple <laughs> of times there. But uh, I tell you what, Christian Bishop was huge yesterday. Just and and not you know everybody's pointing out the stuff they did at the end, but he kept them afloat in the middle of the first half where they were kind of struggling going after loose balls and finishing around the basket. He had a, he had a terrific game. So, and you know, hopefully they caught a little bit of a break with Virginia losing and now they have Ohio and you don't want to take anybody for granted, you know, cause Ohio just beat Virginia. Uh, but, yeah. The, uh, the madness has ensued. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We, uh, thank you, Abilene Christian. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, we did a we did a pod. Uh, um, my friend Casey Hall and I did a pod on uh, March Madness previews and predictions, and we got a. I got the Ohio Virginia right. I, I did get that right, um, and a couple of. But yeah, there's there's. I you knew there was going to be some double digits upsets. You just you know it's just you got to you got to pick them and you got to pick them right. Yep. So, um, you referenced um, your your son and. And especially their their football, they got to the title game uh, in, in football this year. Uh, you know how important is it for your players, especially players at a C one school? And and for those that don't know, C one, uh, you probably have about what seventy five, eighty ish kids a class somewhere around yep, there. Yeah, right in there. Yeah, right, right in there, there. between so, sixty five and eighty five. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's the t- type of school we're talking about. How important is it for your players to have success in not just basketball, but in other sports like a football or whatever else they might be involved in? How does that help your program? Well, I think winning is cultural. I mean, you know, like I said, I've 
if you count student teaching, I've been in class A, class B, class C, and class D schools throughout the last 25 years. Mm-hmm. And I don't care what class of school it is. Winning is cultural. You'll see programs in schools that have just lost forever. And you see schools that just have won forever at whatever they do. And I think a lot of times when you see those schools that win and are successful traditionally, they're good at lots of things. It's not just one sport they're good at. I think it's very rare to see a school who has a program that is elite and who is bad in the other ones. So I think just, you know, you are what you repeatedly do. The whole line about excellence is a, is a habit. We talk about championship habits a lot in our basketball program, but if you're in football or cross country or you're playing golf or you're playing tennis or you're wrestling or whatever you're doing, like if you're just used to being successful, then those habits, I think, carry over to different activities. You know, we, as basketball coaches at our school, we really encourage our kids to play multiple sports. Um, you know, and in this day and age, you're always going to have some kids that don't, that maybe just play two and not three, or maybe just play basketball. But for the most part, our kids that we've had over the years have been good, have been multi-sport athletes. And I do think it's important just to be in competitive situations regardless of the activity. And, and, and if you learn how to compete all the time, it, it just it it just be like you said it becomes a habit it becomes something that you expect from yourself instead of something that is uh, like an like an out of body experience to have to summon that you're just used to being in uh, as as Anson Dorrance calls it the competitive cauldron you know absolutely yep yeah um, you guys have you you've been the bridesmaid a couple of times but never the bride. And, and as you grow and as you develop as a coach, um, you know, you, you, you want, you, you ask your players to grow and you're the type of guy that is also trying to grow as a coach. And, um, so, so as you've had these, you know, kind of the bridesmaid a couple of times, but never the bride, uh, what have you learned about yourself, about your coaching philosophy, um, you know, like as an example, uh, at, at the state tournament, I, I think it was two years, was it last year? Uh, yeah, it was last year. Uh, you guys went up against a triangle and two against Ogallala, and that, you know, you kind of mentioned in the write-up that, you know, you, you weren't, you know, you hadn't seen anything like that all year. You know, the, the game that you had a week ago, um, we'll just generously say that the pace was not a normal pace for a high school game. Uh, you know, what are what are you... What are the things that you're learning as you continue to, to try and, and, and try to get that one more step to, to, to help get you to that one more step? Does, does that question make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, the number one thing I think I've learned and our staff has learned um, over the last decade probably is how important it is to be flexible and to be able to change. And even last night I was watching Iowa play and they were talking about McCaffrey, Coach McCaffrey talking about how that's a sign of a good coach is when you're flexible and you're able to adapt your team to whatever you've got on a certain year. And, um, you know, when I was in Donovan as a younger coach, um, I was probably part of that mold. And there's a lot of coaches that are still this way that are very successful, but I was part of that mold where like, you know, you had to play a certain way. You had to play tough, hard nosed man to man. You had to do this and you had to do that. And as I, um, as I think back to our first runner up team in 2016, we knew we were really good. We made a state tournament the year before. We were in Class B the year before, mm-hmm. and um, we talked about our enrollment. We had a, a terrible draw where we drew Elkhorn South in that first game with Johnny Costello or Johnny <laughs> Trueblood and Justin Costello. Yeah, and um, you know they thumped us pretty good. 
And we learned a lot through that process. But one of the things we learned is, okay, if we're going to play against somebody elite athletically, and we knew coming back, we had a team that could be in the state tournament. We went down to see one, but we knew that Bishop Newman was sitting there, and we knew Columbus Scotus was sitting there. And we just looked in the mirror and said, okay, we're not going to beat them playing the way we've always played, playing aggressive man. We've got yep. to be flexible. And mm-hmm. so we started playing a lot of two-three zone. We started mixing up different things to give us a chance to compete against people that were better athletically. And then um, three years ago, uh, my assistant coach is Sam Cook, um, who is from Wahoo. So like Max Cook and Winston Cook, that's his brother. And so obviously if he's from Wahoo, he bleeds one three one. <laughs> and um, so we put in the one three one three years ago. And it's for the same reasons, we're like our kids, it fits our kids. It gives us a chance to win against people that are better athletically than us. It gets a, gives us a chance to dictate pace. Um, so we've sold out to one three one the last couple of years. We go man and miss kind of on a on a make. We kind of go one through one on a miss. We play man. And I just think the biggest thing I've learned overall is I think our ascension. You know, I mean, we haven't won the big one, but we've got three banners in the last six years or whatever. Now yeah. with two runner ups and a third is being flexible and adapting to our players is really, really, really important. We're not in Class A. We're not getting guys that are going to be, you know, Division One players. Um, we've got to look at what we got and adapt and be flexible, and I think that's the strength of our staff as we've done that because I think all of our staff kind of had a traditional kind of approach of how you have to play, and all of us have embraced that idea of changing and morphing and being different, you know. And you spoke of the triangle, too, last year against Ogallala, and it was one of those that we as coaches, and it's – we had a plan coming in. We kind of knew we could see it, but I don't think it's arrogance, but it was one of those that we thought, well, people can't do that to us because we have too many good shooters. So if yeah. they do it, we'll just shoot them out of it. Yeah. And, um, you know, you can sometimes overanalyze as a coach, and, and all of us look back at that. I mean, we were 25-1. and one. We were looking forward to being in the finals. Uh, we knew we had to beat Ogallala, but we felt really good about our chances, and we just couldn't believe that, that was that we were struggling so much with it you know and even in that game it was 33 33 with four minutes to go in the fourth quarter so our defense yeah. gave us a chance but we just shot we picked a terrible day kind of much like this year we picked a terrible day to not shoot well and, yeah and if you if you play triangle too and uh you're going to gamble and leave people open and they don't make them it's a great defense and so we found that out last year yeah um would it, could you could you ask your assistant a question for me the next time you talk to him Mm-hmm. Is it is it part? Is, is there like a written or oral exam for anybody that comes out of Wahoo that they have to be able to explain the one three one defense and how it works, whether they play basketball or not? I think it probably is. I will ask him that question. I'm pretty sure if they don't understand it, they might get expelled from school, have to go somewhere else. <laughs> Here's your walk of papers. You, you, you're going to have to go to school somewhere else now. No, so, yeah. uh, that's funny. No, I, I think it's I think it's a great point, and and I love that. Uh, and I think any good coach takes a look at those. Uh, they, they take failure um, and they turn it into success. They they take it into lessons. And I and I think um, you know I, I know that there's you know some programs that that don't. It's like well we're just going to keep doing what we're doing and we're just going to keep doing it better. It's like well how many times are you going to continue? And, and, and not to say that what you're obviously if you're if you're at that point you're doing a whole bunch of things right. But is there uh-huh. one more tool? that you can put in your tool chest that'll help get you over the hump, you know? Yep. And, and I think that's something you got to keep your eyes out for. And it sounds like you guys have done that. Well, and we saw, we saw some junk this year, a lot, actually. Um, I think because of last year, a little bit, people looked at it and said, well, how do you beat them? And, and so we were much better this year. So like you said, I mean, when you have failure and you have adversity, you learn from it. And so we were prepared. We were ready for it. Um, you know, in districts we had, um, Given played us, and they were they were a good team this year. And we played them into the sub district championship, and they came out. and Their whole plan was just to confuse us, and they went triangle two and box one. And 
a kind of a weird matchup zone and they just kept mixing it and their goal was just to confuse us and keep us off balance for as long as possible and a year ago i think that we would have probably panicked a little bit more and this year we were pretty comfortable we knew what we were going to do we just kind of hung in there and eventually we made shots and stretched it out but um yeah i don't think that this year's success happens without a little bit of that failure last year against Ogallala. Yeah. Coaches, a pen and a napkin will be hosting its first annual high school coaches clinic on Saturday, May the 1st at Fort Calhoun High School, which is just 15 minutes north of downtown Omaha. We will have a variety of speakers on subjects that affect us as high school basketball coaches, along with breakout sessions to have small group discussions to tweak each other's minds to help our coaching community hone their craft. For more information, email us at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com or check our Twitter handle at a pen and a napkin. And I am on the verge of announcing our lineup. I've got to get just a couple of little more details taken care of here, uh, but we've got a great lineup lined up for that. So really excited. Coach, would love to see you bring your staff up here to Fort Calhoun that day, even if it's just for part of the day. Uh, so keep that in mind as you're getting your spring preparations ready to go here. So um, you put down a couple of people, um, and, and one of them has really influenced a lot of coaches, especially in central Nebraska. I wanted, I wanted to ask you about uh, the influence of Paul Baranek and, and what he did for your career and how he helped you grow as a coach. Well, I mean, when I was in, in Donovan for those six years as a head coach, I mean, like a lot of young coaches, you're trying to figure out what your identity is and kind of what you believe in because I don't think there's a way to fail quicker than to coach um, in, a, in a style or a demeanor that doesn't fit your personality. I mean, I think you got to be able to – you got to be a you. There's lots of ways to win. We always talk about – because my assistant coach, Tom Selecta, is very, very animated and high energy, um, and people that have never seen him think he's kind of a crazy guy. But that's <laughs> who he is. I mean, that's who he is every day of his life. And, um, you know, that's how he, he – if he had to coach like me – he couldn't do it. And if I had a coach like him, I couldn't do it. And yeah. the line we always talk about when we started coaching together is, you know, Tom Osborne was great and Charlie McBride was great, but they were different. But they, yeah. they helped each other. So you don't have to be what you're not. And so when I went and started talking to Coach Baranek, I was like, okay, I want to be better. We're not very good. When I was in Donovan at this time, I'm like, how, how do I be better? And at that time, you talk, about, you talk about Central Nebraska, Sutton, obviously. And still to this day, Sutton has a great program, but Coach Funberg at Sutton really had a, a style and a method that I was thinking about going to. And it was very, very kind of slow, deliberate, really, really strong man-to-man defense, kind of the Sutton flex. They'd run it, run it, run it until they get layups. And they won all the time, so I was intrigued. I'm like, well, maybe we should do that to win. And then Coach Bronick obviously, was in the middle of one of their – I mean, that decade they had is probably the best small school basketball decade that I've seen. Uh-huh. I mean, you put the St. Cecilia run with theirs probably as well. But so I, I called po- uh, Coach Baronic and I said, Hey, meet me in Grand Island and Applebee's. I'll buy you supper. I just want to pick your brain. And like a lot of great coaches do, I mean, he's like, Yep, absolutely. And so he gave up his time to meet with me. We had steak and we talked a little bit. And I remember him saying, He goes, because I was talking about the Sutton style, and he said, You know, you can win that way, but I'd rather lose 71 70. And win thirty one thirty, and I've and everything we have done, and that's not trying to be demeaning nope, to nope, anybody nope. else, but yeah. like I remember thinking, yes, that's that matches kind of what I believe in my heart, and so literally everything we have done in our program has been with the Ravenna blueprint. We have lots of drills we do called Blue Jay this or Blue Jay this. We have three or four plays that are called Ravenna or Blue Jay, and because when I watched them, what I what I loved about them um, was they just had a bunch of. Uh, 
Um, just kind of Ravenna kids that didn't look that physically impressive. Obviously, you had Connor and Drake that were unbelievable. But around them, you, you just had some kids that just bought in and played and had fun. And, and he had kids. And this is a young coach, too. I remember thinking, like, why is he letting that guy shoot? Because he, he always had two or three guys. That like, man, he just gives anybody freedom to shoot. And the more I talked to him, the more he talked about, if you're going to beat anybody good, like in the state tournament, they're going to be able to take away your best players. And Absolutely. if you don't have your fourth and fifth guys with the confidence to make a play, you're not going to win. And I remember thinking about that whole process and thinking, you know, that's who we want to be. And so, um, like I said, our ascension as a program has really been because of Coach Bronick's imprint and really trying to, to um, shoot the heck out of it. We're going to run and we're going to shoot it and we're going to try to play fast and have, and play, have fun. Because we think our AC Hoops program, our youth program, is a big part of our success. We started about 12 years ago, and you're seeing the fruits of that now with all, you know, seven state tournaments in the last 12 years. A lot of it goes back to our youth program, and we talk about, you know, if you're a little kid and you're going to our games, you know, it's fun to watch people play fast and get up and down and, and, and shoot the ball and, and have coaches that, you know, breed confidence into their kids. And so that's what we want to do, and we think it gives us a chance to play against people. Like when we played the Wahoo Newman team in the finals, which was the first team, I believe, in 80-some years that had three first-team All-Staters. Yeah. Um, we have no chance in that game if we don't give our kids confidence. We yeah. had pregame. We told our guys, hey, we're going to do what we do. We're going to run. We're going to shoot that dang thing. It, we, it's kind of funny because Coach Selecta said in pregame, he said, we might need nine or eight or nine threes, guys, to win. And we hit nine. And we needed about 10 or 11 to win because yeah. uh, we were in a one-possession game with about a minute and a half to go with those guys, which is unbelievable um, because they were so elite. But our shooting, our skill level gave us a chance, you know. And, um, you know, I, I don't know if you were there, but probably one of the best memories I've ever had as a coach was when I was in Donovan. And as actually as a fan, it's when I went to the Bellevue, Bellevue West Ravenna game. I don't know if you went to that I, game. I, I watched it on, on – they, they actually televised it on – closed circuit TV here in Omaha. That's how big of a I mean, deal it was. Yeah. It was real life Hoosiers. Like, yeah. It was yeah. so unbelievable. It was Central a Nebraska game. showed oh. out. Like it was oh. so unbelievable that these C2 kids from Ravenna, oh. you know, were just torching Antoine Young and Bellevue West, who was a state runner up that year to Omaha Central. I mean, like nobody in a million years would think that could happen. And eventually, you know, Bell West showed what they were and they came back and won. But like, it, it was unbelievable to watch. And again, I started thinking about that's what I want to be. Win, lose, or draw. I want a program that looks like that, that has fun, that back cuts, that plays motion, and their coaches breed confidence, and all those guys have the green light to shoot. Um, and so that's, you know, he's probably arguably the biggest influence on our style of play. I mean, just because we, we looked at what they did. And uh, in a small town, you know, a town of 1,500 people in the middle of central Nebraska, he's not getting kids moving in. He's not getting recruits mm -hmm. or whatever you want to say. I mean, it's just his kids, and they just bought in and played a beautiful game. We loved yep. it. Um, what did you, uh, you know, we all face challenges during this this COVID uh, era and this COVID season. Um, you know, we and, and maybe we could have tied this in earlier. This is why I'm a history teacher and not a real journalist. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, but, uh, you know, what are some things that you're going to take with you, win, lose, or draw uh, from this COVID season uh, that will affect your philosophy moving forward? What did you learn about your program? What did you learn about yourself? So forth and so on. Well, we talk about, you know, being grateful a lot. I know I, probably every good coach does, but we finish every practice, every game, every time we're together, we give gratitudes. Uh, you know, somebody will say, shout out somebody on the team, or it could be a manager, it could be anybody that did something that we appreciate. And um, 
you know, we do a deal where at the end of every practice, whoever gets a gratitude, we write it down on the practice schedule and I keep them throughout the year. And then at the end of the year, whoever had the most times they were mentioned, they get a, their name on the back of our black shirt practice jersey. And so, like, it, it means a lot now. There's 12 names on there from the last 12 years of people that were, like, our practice. Um, oh, that's an awesome all, idea. All-stars, if you will. And so it's pretty cool. There's a, a who's who list of people who who get uh, honored, I guess, in that way. And So what where I guess where I'm going with this is just how grateful um, I am and I think our kids are and our school is and everybody for getting to play and I know I'm on the basketball advisory committee uh, I've been on there for like 10 years with the coach association so I know uh, John Dolliver fairly well and um, you know I sh- I tweeted out at him and NSAA and I mean lots of people have recently that just how thankful I am for the leadership in our state for fighting for this season um, you know I was I was at PVA before the finals actually for a game and I went to the bathroom and Thomas Vigilanco's in there the trainer out of Lincoln and and we were talking about just being grateful game to play because I think he's from Alabama and he said that like you know back home they didn't even get a season you know there's lots of places across the country that didn't get to play and I talked to my son yesterday who was our quarterback in football and I just said I go you got through the entire football season played every game possible all the way to the finals and we got 29 games in basketball played every game possible got all the way to the finals in a year that you know in August I remember talking to coach select whose boy is our all-state receiver and our our point guard and and we were like we're just hoping we get two or three football games in that's what we were hoping for and so mm-hmm. i think we always talk about being grateful but i think this whole process in the last 12 months for everybody not as basketball coaches hopefully has made us thankful and made us appreciate the blessings that you have that you know we're just humans and we, we take things for granted and i think this last year has shown to us how many things that we shouldn't take for granted because it can be taken away from you, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know if that's really a basketball answer, but that's a big thing that I've thought about a lot. We talked, we, we tried to, and we didn't do it every day, but we did it most days where I would try to end practice with, Hey, three things. Did we have fun today? Did we work hard today? Were we grateful to practice today? Were we grateful to be able to do this? And, and nope. that's, that's something I tried to plug into my kids on a, on a daily basis that, you know, this can be taken away from us very, very quickly. You you try to emphasize that with um, a lot of times it's like injury. Like, you know, Uh you're you're, you're one, you know, obviously anybody is one play away from from being injured. But but Uh I think this casts a whole new light on gratitude and and what we need to, uh, what we need to be able to teach our kids about being grateful uh, and and having the opportunity and and, and having, you know, I I think it's shown a light on, you know how important athletics is and activities are, uh, but at the same time, uh, you know what? How, how am I trying to say it? again? This is why I'm a history teacher and not a real journalist. <laughs> uh, but just uh, you know, it, it is extremely important, and we need to be grateful and never to take it for granted. Again, I think that I think sometimes we take those things for granted and we put so much importance on sports and the end result that really ultimately it's just about having the opportunity to go out there and play. And, and that's what, and that's what the focus should be. Absolutely. Right. You know, there's a lot of talk last night, obviously with the VCU Oregon thing, you mm-hmm. know, and people feeling really bad for VCU, but also like I think Charles Barkley was saying it, that, it is bad, but in the end, it is a basketball game. You know, there are things that are more important. And like you said, it's the lessons, it's the things you get from this experience more so than the actual playing of the game that are important. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of lessons from the game and being really important, one thing I wanted to ask you about 
your guys' rivalry with Hastings, Hastings High. Um, I think it's a really underrated rivalry throughout the state. And, and I've seen, uh, on the girls' side, I've seen film of your girls' game against Hastings High, and that gym is packed for the girls' game, let alone I can't imagine how crazy it is for the guys' game. Um, I, I just, just what, what's that night like, uh, for, for you guys and for the kids and just how important is it? Because I, I think that is a really, really underrated rivalry, uh, statewide here. Well, I mean, I, I think city games are just different. And again, I'm from middle of nowhere, uh, class D2. So I had no idea what that was even about. And then I remember when I student taught at Lincoln Northeast, uh, was you know Jimmy Motes' senior year with Coach Baugh, and I was just a freshman coach. I sat on the end of the bench and didn't do anything, but like <laughs> it, it was, it but, was. But you held uh, down that end of the bench like nobody else yes, could. My stat sheet was superb. I did everything <laughs> I could in that game. But um, you know, I remember going to like the Lincoln East and Southeast and all these games, and thinking, "Wow, this is just different. This feels different than when you play somebody else's city games." And so then, you know, in Donovan, we didn't have any city games, obviously. But, like, since we've been in Hastings, we've been playing St. Cecilia and placing Hastings High every year. I mean, are just special, special nights. You grow up, you know everybody. The parents know each other. The kids grow up playing, you know, baseball in the summers together and different things. And, um, you know, that familiarity, I think, is the first part of the rivalry. Um, you know, and then um, you, you got to beat somebody to be a rivalry. You always hear that kind of stuff. If it's yep. Nebraska football, it's Colorado back in the day or whatever. Like, you got to beat somebody for it to count, actually. And so the first part of our, our journey here at AC as coaches, you know, St. Cecilia probably was a bigger rivalry because they were elite, obviously, and winning multiple state championships. And, and it was one of those deals we could never beat them. It was one of those that we just kept trying and trying. And we were very, very good. We made the state tournament. We could never beat them. And so a line that we always talk about is a rising tide raises all ships that part of our ascension as a program over the last 12 years has been because of St. Cecilia, because we could not beat them. And so we had to keep, like you said earlier, learning and trying to find ways to f- compete with them, to find a way to get it done. Um, and then recently, the last few years, I mean, Hastings High has kind of ascended uh, above them as far as probably success on the floor. And Coach Creech did a great job there with Connor Creech and that yep. group. And um, I don't know what, what gym necessarily you saw the pictures of, because this year we played at Hastings College, so we could get more people in there uh-huh. because of COVID and stuff. But two years ago, excuse me, two years ago, um, the game at Hastings High was arguably the greatest atmosphere I've ever seen for a high school basketball game, um, and that's even going against state tournament stuff. Because mm-hmm. I mean, if you've been in Hastings High's gym oh, yeah. before, it is monstrous. Yeah, it's people big. have told me it's the biggest high school gym in the state as far yep. as capacity. Yep, I think it's like three thousand right in there, Easily. and it's just when you're on the floor looking up. I mean, it, the bleachers just go forever. <laughs> and uh, we told our guys last year it's going to be big because um, you know we were really really good. They were really really good. I think when we played, both teams were like seventeen and one. Mm-hmm. Uh, both teams were rated number two in the state, um, and you know there's all kinds of internal kind of dramas with the two teams and everything last year. And uh, we played our JV boys game in the old gym. And so we left the JV boys game to walk across the commons area back into the new gym to our locker room. And this is, you know, at 5.30 or whatever. And girls' warm-ups had just started. And we could not hardly get through the commons area. And you could see our JV boys' faces looking around like, what is going on? And we told them, guys, we told you it was going to be like this. So we get into the gym finally to go to our locker room. And it's two-thirds full with 
15 minutes to go in the girls' warm-ups. Yeah. And, like, I had never seen anything like that at a gym that big, especially. So it was standing room only, 3,000 people, whatever. It was just unbelievable. I mean, it was an epic game. And, um, yeah, I, I do think that, that that rivalry has been a really, really special one over the years. And like I said, we had a great team in 2013, a state tournament team. And they were, like, seven and seven and 17 and they went to our place and just shot the heck out of it and they beat us and i mean that's another sign of a rivalry you throw the records out it truly doesn't matter what the records are because everybody's going to elevate their games and i do think it's a good one i was kind of we had the game of the week with mike souder this week this year against carney catholic Mm -hmm. um when he came out and did that game but i was kind of disappointed last year that that didn't get it because they were two and B. We were two and C one. Both teams were seventeen and one. I thought that was the best game in the state that week. And, and like you said, that atmosphere. Anybody who was there would tell you that's one of the best atmospheres they've ever seen for a high school basketball game. Yeah, rivalries make the sport, and and as long as it stays friendly, um, that's exactly what you want. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Well, coaches want to have the opportunity to have a hands-on mentor to help you hone your craft as a basketball coach. Look no further than teachhoops.com, a place where coaches go to get better. Coach Steve Collins shares his three decades of coaching knowledge with his subscribers through resources like podcasts, one-on-one mentoring sessions, and much more with teachhoops.com. Go to teachhoops.com backslash A-P-A-A-N, that's a pen and a napkin, where subscriptions start at $34.99 a month. When you sign up, you get a 14-day free trial, so combine teachhoops.com with a pen and a napkin to help make you the best coach that you can be. Coach Foster, we're going to go into our Don Meyer quote of the day. Uh, the goat, Don Meyer, and we try to throw this out here. Um, and again, you know, it's just crazy. I, I pick these quotes, and it, it more often than not, it fits the conversation that we're having. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to throw this quote out here. If you would like to comment on it, um, feel free. Uh, but this just kind of summarizes from what I've seen uh, from your program from afar, and then after uh, 33 minutes of conversation this morning here. So. The Don Meyer quote of the day, your program must have an overriding purpose, which is clearly visible and which teaches lessons beyond winning. Yeah, that's a great one. Um, and we talk about that. Just if, a, if a stranger comes to practice and they watch 15 minutes of your practice, they should know what you're all about. And, um, you know, with our program, I, I, I think when people watch us, and somebody once told me this a long time ago, if, if, you're, if you see a team that is well-coached, they share the ball on offense, and they play really hard on defense. I mean, there's a lot of different details you can change up and do differently. But, you know, if you play hard defensively and you share it on offense, some good things are happening. And, um, you know, I, I would hope that when people see us, like I said with the Ravenna stuff earlier, they see uh, a coaching staff that tries to promote confidence in their kids and give people their kids freedom um to play we we really want to try to develop our kids so that even when basketball is over for them even if they're playing pickup ball when they're 25 or 30 they enjoy the game they were coached in a way where um they develop they learn to love the game a little bit and um i think we do that overall i mean again it goes back to the ravenna philosophy and Mm -hmm. good or bad that's what we kind of believe in um and I, i think you know this year's team last year's team as well we went 52 and 5 and did a lot of really good things and a lot of it offensively goes back to just being really 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 unselfish which it's cheesy but in in 2021 i mean it's as hard in this day and age to you know with, with sports center highlights and pounding your chest and you know you watch so many games where guys especially at our level like the lower levels are shooting 20 sometimes a game uh-huh. 20 25 times a game and obviously sometimes that's a good thing but 
we just looked at it and said, you know what, we got to be unselfish and share that thing and play the beautiful game. We always talk about the whole San Antonio Spurs clips and the Golden State Warriors clips, like especially before KD went there, where it was really ball movement, cutting and passing and trusting the guy next to you. But we just said that's our ticket to win, guys. And, mm-hmm. you know, this year our leading scorer, Lucas Bowen, averaged 12 points a game. And um, our sixth man averaged about eight. So we had five guys in between eight and 12. And nobody shot more than about nine and a half times a game. And, you know, we had guys that were really good. I mean, Tyler Schlechter, it was all-tournament team. Lucas Bowen was all-tournament team. Cam uh, Foster was second-team All-State last year. Dante Bullhowers were like, we had all these guys who just totally put their egos away and bought into playing the beautiful game offensively. And So I hope that's what people see when they see our program is that we try to share it, move it, play really hard, and play play together. And yeah. That's what we try to promote. The, the greatest compliment, and I've been fortunate to uh, get this compliment on more than one occasion, uh, but you're talking about that, and and all you kind of want as a coach is for basically somebody to say, hey, your kids play the game the right way. And yep. and, and to me, that's if anybody, if anybody, that's just gold to me. That's all I would ever need to hear if somebody wants to talk about any of the teams that I've coached. Hey, your kids play the game the right way. And, and that, to me, win, lose, or draw, if my kids are playing the game the right way, that's that's all I want to be recognized for. Is is just, absolutely yeah. So, well, you've you've built this program, you've 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 taken it to to new heights, and as you mentioned earlier, it's it's a lot about your your youth program and 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 your culture that you've established there. And I know culture's a, a buzzword and all that other stuff, and and I've used it as well with my programs, um, but. Uh, I think there's 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 two ways that it works. You you have to you have to build programs from the top down, but then you also have to build programs from the bottom up, and it needs to happen in a simultaneous manner. So so, coach, what are some of the things that you've done at Adam Central there to build your program uh, with your direction and your coaching staff's direction from the top down, but then also building it from the bottom up and starting with your youth to get them to that point. And how do those two things meet in the middle? We're, I'm just going to let you cook here. And uh, if I've got any questions or anything I want to you know, ask you about or throw in there, um, I'll just chuck. But uh, you go ahead and let it rip. Okay. Um, well, I think, you know, as far as the top down part, our staff is, is so good and, and I just think we really believe in shared leadership. And so I've had people who've watched us over the years say, man, your staff is interesting because a lot of times in timeouts, sometimes, you know, there's your strengths, your worries, your weaknesses. Sometimes our, our timeouts are a little bit disorganized because I, I let our coaches coach. I mean, all of our guys that have coached with us, um, I give them freedom to, if they got something to say, to jump in and talk and, <clears throat> excuse me. And, I, you know, Coach Selecta, when I came over here 12 years ago, he was the head coach. Um, he had been a head coach at Kearney Catholic. And um, he just, you know, felt like it would be a good move to kind of go back to the varsity assistant position if I wanted it. Um, and so I obviously uh, took, took that opportunity. But um, I trust Coach Selecta immensely with, with many of the things that we do. And he's been through a lot. He was part of a state championship team at Kearney Catholic. He grew up in the Lincoln Northeast program, um, so he knew winning his whole life. Um, and then, you know, Coach Cook, like I said, is from Wahoo, and he knows winning. Um, very, very intelligent young guy. He's going to be a great head coach someday. 
And then, you know, Coach Samuelson is from Gretna. His brother is Jared Samuelson, the player oh, okay. North Dakota oh, State. Yeah, 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 yeah. Great uh, player. Great player. So he, yeah, he played college football at Doan, and he mm-hmm. he uh, knows winning, coming from Coach Feekin's program at Gretna. And then, you know, Coach Hunt uh, played for us my very first year at Adam Central when Coach Lecter was head coach. Coach Hunt was a senior, and he was an All-State player on that team. And, and so I think just looking at our staff, I mean, from the top down, Every one of those guys knows winning. They all have different perspectives on things. But I think also it's um, that's where it starts as far as our organization is having those guys all be winners and be intelligent and knowing that their voice matters. I mean, I've seen coaches who are kind of more of a dictator role. Mm-hmm. I don't mean that in a bad way, but it's kind of their way or the highway. And I think what works for us is I realize that I'm, I got a lot of flaws just like anybody. And those guys a lot of times can fix some of those things. And so shared leadership, I also think, is a great example for young players. Uh, to learn how to be to, to be a man. I mean, that sounds maybe cheesy, but like part of masculinity, I think, is stepping back and realizing you know you don't have all the answers. Yeah. Um, sometimes you need help, and um, it's okay. It's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength to actually listen to other people and, and get their perspective on things. Um, you know, from the bottom up, you know, and again, Coach Lecter was starting to get this in motion before I even came. But then that first year I came is where it really started. Um, our AC hoops program. This is the twelfth year of it now, and. At that time, our elementaries were in different spots around the around Hastings. We mm-hmm. had four or five kind of little rural elementaries, um, and it was really hard because we had we'd have kids going to Adam Central seventh graders who had never like played together, who were kind of playing against each other growing up almost. And we thought, you know what, let's try to make a system where we get all of our kids together even before they get to junior high, so we can start developing a, a skill base first of all, but also some some uh, relationships and some camaraderie and. And so then um, about four years ago, we finally got our, ba- our bond pa- passed and uh, we have a beautiful elementary school sitting right across the street from our, our high school now. And so the kids are actually together in school. Uh-huh. Um, but our AC Hoops program is really, really important. I sent a letter out to our AC Hoops coaches this week. Actually, it's one of the things I did right away just to thank them for all their support. I mean, we have people. They took their, their youth teams, their whole youth team. They wore their jerseys and sat behind our bench and they high fives and just – I mean, that's where it starts. And I, one of the, my favorite memories I've ever had was in pregame against Wahoo Newman for the first time in school history. We're in the finals, and they played the video up in the big screen, you know, in pregame and everything. And I, I leaned over because Cameron, my son, and Lucas Bowen and Tyre Selected, these guys were seventh grade student managers for us. And I just kind of put my arm around Cam, and I go, hey, man, we're in the finals. And we kind of looked at each other and smiled because we'd never been there before. And then this year, when we're in the finals, during that same video, I go over, and my, my youngest son is a seventh grader in the same position. And I just went over and said, hey, man, we're back. You know, you got to work so you get a chance to be here. And it's one of those, I do think, part of this group, the senior group's success because, is because they had a front row seat for that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, our youth kids now, the same thing. Like we talked about you know, being grateful. And we talk about it with our managers because like my son's 13, we've been in the state tournament seven times in his lifetime. And he just kind of thinks, well, this is what happens. We're like, no, this doesn't happen. I know people that I love and respect, I think are phenomenal coaches who have never been in the state tournament, who have never ever, you know, won a game in the state tournament. And so the fact that we've had the success, we have to constantly remind our our kids and our young kids, this is not normal. There's a reason why these people have had the success. One of the lines we always use, and we use it on a, hashtag with our twitter account is success leaves clues i mean if you want to figure out how to be successful you, you know if you have a front row seat for that and you get to see it, it it gives you it gives you evidence of what you have to do and i think for all of our young kids from our managers all the way down through our third graders 
Um, they're really, really lucky to have had a front row seat to watch these guys and how we have played. You know, going back to the Ravenna system, I mean, it works when you're skilled. I mean, if you have guys that can't put the ball in the basket, um, it doesn't look as good, obviously. And I really believe, and we talked about it as coaches next year, we think we're going to surprise people. We think we're going to be better than people think we're going to. Uh, we know we lost, obviously, a lot off this team. But part of it is, again, we've been trying to develop confidence in these kids, and we're going to let those guys shoot as well. We're not going to come in and try to hold the ball or be conservative because we don't have some of these guys that we had this year. We're going to pump them full of confidence and tell them the same thing that Coach Bronick told his kids about. If we're going to beat anybody good, you guys got to have confidence to make a play, and we're going to give you that confidence as coaches. And, um, again, I just think that's why the youth program is so important because if our kids get to junior high with a decent understanding of the game and a, a decent skill set, then um, – you know, when you have the right mix of athleticism and talent and chemistry and character, then you get to have runs like we've had recently. But anymore, I mean, there's so many kids playing basketball. I mean, my, you know, a lot of our kids play summer AU stuff. I know down in Omaha and everywhere, I mean, anybody good pretty much is playing. That if you get to high school and you just don't put a lot of time into the game, it's just really, really stinking hard to be successful anymore. Yeah. So about at what age do you start your kids with your AC Hoops program? We go third grade. Um our girls coach does the girls' side of AC hoops, and we do the boys' side. And, and he's done something the last couple of years where they go like a skill thing for kindergarten, first and second graders, even. Yep. And um, you know, I kind of go back and forth on that. That my number one thing I want, like when we do summer camps and stuff like that, is I just want kids to leave in the gym thinking, "Man, that was fun." Like yeah. that was. So we we'll we want play, you to come back. You know, I want to be back as soon as I can. Absolutely, yep. it's not so much just little kids about like some kind of specific skill set to me is like, let's have some fun and shoot it and have some popsicles and, and run around and just <laughs> get those guys to be excited. You know, cause that's the thing. The best part ever is when you have your summer camps and you try to pump them full of energy and, and then you'll drive around and you see kids shooting in their driveways when it's 90 degrees in July or whatever, because the only reason somebody would do that is because they thought, this is fun. I want to be like those guys someday. And if you come in and you start trying to grind little kids into the ground is toughness i just think anymore especially i mean kids are going to think this isn't fun and so our job especially when they're young is just to make it fun and make them have a great experience and then obviously i mean if we have 15 to 20 kids involved in our ac hoops teams as little kids you know they're not all going to make it we had five seniors this year and these guys had like 15 out as freshmen you know there's attrition there always is basketball can be pretty evil in the sense that not a lot of guys play you gotta put a lot of time in Yeah. And some kids don't want to put that much time in. And so the more kids that you can create that have a positive outlook on the game by the time they're in seventh or eighth grade, the more chance you have of more kids making it to the end, I think. Um, so I mean, like, the youth program is huge. And, I, you know, it's not just obviously us as high school coaches. It's all of our youth coaches. that That's really where it starts is you get guys that understand that winning a – Winning a fourth grade tournament at Hastings High or Grand Island is not the biggest thing in the world. We want to hang bangers in high school. Yeah. And so sometimes, you know, like we played a ton of one three one the last couple of years. When we played two three, you know, at our youth programs, we tell all of our people that they need to play man to man. Our AC Hoops youth tournament this year was all man to man. And again, we play a lot of zone in high school, but we just want to try to teach kids the game and so they understand the yeah. game. And if you can play man, you can play motion. And when you get to high school, if we need to run more sets, or if we need to run more zone, we'll do that. But if you can play man and play motion, you can do anything, in our opinion. Do you guys kind of uh, stagger your commitment level? Like third graders, they do this, this, and this. So they do A, B, and C. And then your fourth graders do A, B, C, and D. And then your fifth graders do 
you know, and and or or is it pretty universal across the board that everybody does about the same thing through the junior high? Uh, no, it, there's a time commitment thing where we expect more time wise, like more as far as league or tournaments or something like that as they get older. Um, and as far as the skill stuff, I do have something I hand out typically that has like a skill progression of what I want them to start with and what they, what I would like them to be able to do by the time they get to high school. So it does kind of build. And some of that is, I mean, we don't refer to it a ton, but a lot of it I got, um, from coach Reese at Norfolk, their, their youth yeah. program was amazing. And so about 10 years ago, I got all of his handouts and tried to look at that and try to learn from that. Um, you know, I, it's kind of interesting you said this because like there's different ways to do this and there's really, really good programs where like their junior high and their youth do exactly what the high school does. So the terminology is the same and everything they do is the same. And and I went back and forth on this. I don't know if I do it right or not, but um, I don't really tell our junior high coaches um, what they should do. Like the read and react stuff um, is what our girls do. And it's really, really good motion stuff. It's a good foundation. Uh-huh. And like with our youth coaches, we try to do the same thing. We run, we like for AC hoops, we tell them to run some ball screen continuity stuff just because it's easier for little kids to understand. Gives them a little bit of structure, but then as soon as they're ready, um, we try to promote five games, read and react, pass and cut, motion, just so they can learn to play. You know that great line again about you want players who can make plays, not run plays. Yeah. Um, but like with our junior high coaches, I just tell them play man, play motion, because their kids change every year, and we're blessed to have really good junior high coaches, guys that have been um, high school varsity coaches. So I trust those guys, and I kind of stay out of their way. And I just I don't really care what you do, just play man, play motion. Um, and I think that's also kind of a good learning experience. You know, I think just to play different styles and play different, um, play different ways. And so I don't know. I go back and forth on yeah. that though because I understand why coaches also say no, you need to do it this way because it's what we do yeah. in high school. But but my thing is, like I said earlier, just because we're doing something a certain way in high school now doesn't mean we're going to be doing that in the future. That's part yeah. of being flexible. I think yeah. so. Yeah. How much the wider of a, variety of it, yeah, let's go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, how much of an advantage is it to have a, a couple of guys who used to be varsity high school head coaches in your junior high program and who get that concept of, I got to build these guys up. I'm not trying to win for seventh grade. I'm trying to win for 11th and 12th grade. And I, I think that's a, a frustration that I know some uh, programs go through where you, you have a coach at a fourth, fifth grade level that thinks, well, it's all about being really good here and doing what what we need to do to win this random fourth, like you said, this random fourth grade game in, in Grand Island or Kearney when, no, the it's it's about the end of the journey, not not the journey itself. And when, when we talk about the winning and the losing, how big of an advantage is that for you? Oh, it's huge. I mean, and we, you know, we aren't perfect. We have sure. flaws in our program too. And I've, I didn't coach Cam's group, the seniors, but I coached my seventh grade group a lot. It's like youth basketball. And, you know, it's, you, you coach and you get caught up in it and you're competitive and you want to win. But at the same point in time, you got to realize that, like you said, there is a bigger picture here. And, um, we're blessed to have a lot of people to understand that. And, um, you know, when I was in Donovan for, as a head coach for six years, I think I had four different assistant coaches. Um, and only one assistant and so you come to ac and it's a little bit bigger school but i mean we've had between five and seven coaches on our, our bench over the years and just try to get as many good people um there as possible and um even down into our junior high like you said having people with with varsity basketball experience is just mind-boggling because i never never had that kind of thing or before you know and uh, i think that experience one of the great lines again you know experience doesn't mean anything until you have it 
Mm-hmm. And so then when you're around people with experience, you realize, oh, that is a big deal. And I, even with the state tournament, I mean, all the years that we've done well at the state tournament, typically we made it the year before and mm-hmm. we didn't play well. We struggled, something bad happened, and we learned from it. And so if you think about, you know, um, Ed Chigurh is one of our junior high coaches, a coach at Alliance, and Zeb Noyd is one of our junior high coaches, and he coached with us in the high school level, and he coached at, um, he's from Shelby Rising City, and he coached up uh, Winside. And you think about, um, Jim LeMaster, one of the great coaches I've been around, uh-huh. uh, coached at Adam Central and coached at Gothenburg. And like, we've all these people who've been in all these battles over the years that have been in our, our middle levels. It's just such an advantage for our, our kids. And they don't even get it because they're just junior high kids, but like, they've gotten an unbelievable experience with those guys as coaches. And so okay. it definitely is a huge factor. Another huge factor, and I, I, this last 13, 14 minutes has been awesome. I mean, this is just, I think so many of our, our, our coaches are going to get a, just a great uh, background over what we just talked about. Uh, but uh, another thing that you've done within your program, Coach, is, is, and you mentioned it, you've shot the ball. You've shot the ball really, really well. I think you said uh, last season you had 245 threes, this year 258. So history teacher math tells me that's almost 500. Um, or is it over 500? 503. Sorry. Ah, yeah, I see. Hey. Um, You're right there, though. Yeah, exactly. That was yeah, you know, it's it's kind of like my checkbook, you know. It's it's about that. It's about that. So, um, but uh, you know, you've really emphasized shooting the ball, and you said it was kind of that Ravenna blueprint. So you've already talked about the influence of uh, Ravenna and and why you shoot so much, and and why you want the game to look the way uh, you want it to look. So let's dive into the nuts and bolts of it in the sense of. What are you doing in practice to get those shots up? What are you doing in the off season to get those shooters to shoot the ball at that clip? Uh, how do you structure your program where that is your major emphasis? And and I'm with you. Uh, anybody that doesn't think shooting a lot in practice is important. Go through a season where you shoot about 15, 17% from the three point line. And then tell me how important shooting is or is not. And, 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 and I had kind of one of those experiences at one point and I was like, we have to shoot more. We're getting great looks. We have done a, not a very good job of developing shooters. And that, and that's an adjustment we made uh, a while ago. Um, and I made in my coaching philosophy. So, uh, going back to to that, uh, like I said, let's get into the nuts and bolts of it. We know the philosophy. We know why you want to do it. So how are you doing it both in the off season and during the season in your practices, that type of thing? Well, I think most of shooting is, um, once you have a decent skill set, obviously, most of shooting and shooting well is a mindset. It is, it's a confidence thing. Coach Rath is kind of my father figure. He's one of the big coaching influences I've had. He was the head coach in Donaldson when I was the assistant coach there, and he helped me at AC for a few years as well. Now he's the assistant coach at Grand Island Senior High with Coach Slough, and Coach Slough played for me at Donaldson. Um, and we always talk about shooting, and again, like it, it is the great neutralizer. Um, Steph Curry, I mean, I know people can over-dramatize this, but Steph Curry has changed the game where there's just so many shots, and we hear this all the time from people, there's so many shots that we shoot that people – think, well, why are you shooting that? And, and, and we have phenomenal fans, we have phenomenal support here, but I know we have people, even Adam Central, that think we shoot way too much. They think that's why when we lose big games, it's because, well, we can't, we don't shoot too many threes, shoot too many threes. And I remember Coach Bronick talking about, um, 
you know, people always say, you live by a three, you die by the three. You hear that all the time. And he goes, you live by whatever you're good at. Like, yeah. you, you can live live by the flex and die by the flex. You can live in football. You can live by running the ball. You can die by running the ball. Like, whatever you're good at is what you live and die by. And it does neutralize things. I, I, I don't want to go away from your question for a second, but I was watching um, Colorado play Georgetown yesterday. And um, <laughs> yeah. Patrick Ewing was one of my favorite players uh, growing up. But he's got two great big seven footers inside, and they oh, kept yeah. trying to pound the ball inside. It was kind of a slower, methodical, like nineteen eighties type game. And Colorado would come down and pick and pop and banging threes everywhere. And like it just it, it has changed the game. And yes. some coaches and some people don't like to admit that, but it has changed the game. The the collective skill level of kids anymore is such that if you can't shoot it and you can't put the ball in the basket, it changes everything. And the three-point line and, and having guys that can shoot the ball from 25 feet and in makes people have to guard you, which extends defenses, which allows you to drive the ball and get the ball to the rim more. Like, it just opens up everything cutters. comes back. Yeah, so everything is better if you can shoot it. And like you said, I've had teams who could not shoot a lick. And it's really hard when they got five guys with a foot in the lane yeah. and you're trying to figure out a way to score. And so, and, and, to, and at that point, also, it you know, you could talk about all the X's and O's, and you could run the triangle, you can run the flex, you can run this and that, you can have a million set plays. But if you can't make the shot at the end of the play, doesn't matter. Does not matter. Doesn't Absolutely. Matter. You know, as far as what we do, I mean, practice wise, um, we just really, really try to shoot at a ton. Coach Rath always said, you get the worst shot in basketball for a kid to make is the one where he's shooting it and kind of mid shot, he's looking over his shoulder at the bench to see if he. If you're frowning or if you're shrugging, like they can't have any doubt about what a good shot is. And so we are very, very clear about kids about if they are open and they're in rhythm, you know, especially depending on what their skill set is. But um, we didn't have anybody on the floor this year that we told they couldn't shoot. Like anybody who was in rhythm, we gave them the green light. And I think that's the first part of it is just knowing that your coaches have your back and they believe in you. Um, you know, as far as shooting, we do a lot of running and shooting. I mean, probably the drill we do the most is Blue Jay shooting, where we, we give off the board, two-man shooting, and outlet it, and then the rebounders running wide, and running into a three-point shot, where it's like you're sprinting the whole way down the floor and shooting threes in transition, which, again, there's lots of people of the old school that think, well, that's not a good shot. Well, it is if you practice it. Yeah. I mean, a transition three is one of the best shots because everybody's getting back to the lane and trying to stop the ball in transition. So it's, it's really unguardable if you have guys that can make it. Mm-hmm. And, again, you, you just can't do that without practicing it. When we started doing that, the, the year I came over as assistant, that was a drill I put in. Um, and we were really, really good. But it took us about two weeks for us to even start making shots doing that because it's not normal to sprint 50 feet and shoot a three. I mean, that's just not – it's something you have to train your body to do. And so we try to do a lot of running and shooting, a lot of dribble drive shooting. Uh, the last two years, we really went to the Princeton stuff. We, we looked at our team – um, going into last year and thought, okay, we don't have a post presence necessarily. How can we be successful? And so we went down to Nebraska Wesley and his coaches and sat down with Coach Wellman and their staff and said, we want to run what you're doing. Tell us what you're doing. And um, So a lot of our shooting the last couple of years and drill work has been off the prints and stuff um, where you kind of go over and away actions and pop back and shoot the three. And I mean, it's funny because our, our some of our kids look at us um, – and we'll get really mad at our kids if they have an open three and don't take it. Uh-huh. Um, and they're just, they're, you know, and it's not a bad thing, but they've just been coached in a way where you have to get layups and you have to get to the rim. And obviously 
we want to get to the rim, we want layups, but how we coach and how we do things only works if you have kids that are unconscious as far as like, if you're open, don't guard me, I am going to shoot it and we're going to make enough of them that it's going to hurt you as a defense, you know? And so I really do think the philosophy part is almost as important as the mechanics of it. Obviously, you have to have a decent mechanics, which goes back to the youth program. They can't show up in junior high or high school with a broken shot. If they do, it's going to be really hard. Um, and we talk about defense too, that like, you know, if you if you won't play defense, we just won't play you because we'll have enough guys that can shoot and do different things. So the guys that can shoot that will play defense harder than ones that get on the floor, and that goes back to competition again. When you have enough players, because we've had some very very good players over the years that didn't get on the floor much because we've had a good we had good depth and it goes back to AC hoops again. I mean, like you said, seven times we've hit over two hundred threes, which is unheard of um, for most programs, but. And we just look at it and say it is the great neutralizer and it gives you a chance to beat anybody. Mm-hmm. If your whole offense, I mean, if you're in football and your whole offense is built off of power football and running the ball, well, that works when you're Alabama. Yeah. That works when your players are better. But part of coaching is what do we, what can we do to give us an advantage against people that are better than us? Uh-huh. And that's why we went to the Princeton stuff. I mean, Princeton's offense was built because they knew when they played people, they're not going to be more athletic. And so, and even if that goes back to Ravenna, the thing I loved about Ravenna back in the day was their back cut stuff. Like when they were playing Bell West, who was way better athletically. I mean, they were back cutting them all over the place. Ravenna scored like 25 points in the first quarter. Mm -hmm. And then Bellevue West was forced to adjust to them. So what we've tried to do is Which doesn't happen very often. (laughs) No. So everything we've tried to do offensively, defensively, shooting, everything is just, trying to give our kids confidence that what we do is going to work against the best teams, you know, and, um, you know, it obviously in this day and age, there's always naysayers. There's people that want to find flaws in what you do and they sure. can say, well, you didn't make anything against Ogallala and you didn't make shots against Auburn. And that's why you lost. And they're right. I mean, ultimately you've got to be able to make a shot. If we make one or two threes, um, in the first part of the game against Auburn, I do believe it's a different game. Absolutely. Um, I agree with you. And we took great shots. That's yep. the thing. Like we took shots yep. that we make. Um, we just didn't make them. And so, at the end of the day, as coaches, and that was that was our promise. We gave our kids down the stretch, as we kept telling them, "We promise you that as coaches, we will be the same guys. We're going to be consistent, and that consistency gives you confidence as a player when you know your coaches are going to be consistent." And we said we're going to take the same shots we've done for two years, and if it doesn't work, well, we'll shake their hands walking off the floor, and we'll be okay with it. Mm-hmm. And I think that ultimately. Again, just gives your kids confidence. Um, this might sound ridiculous, but I know we played a team three years, four years ago, and they played two-three zone. It was a great two-three zone, the old Syracuse zone, and um, we were eighteen for forty-one from three-point line, and um, we were like three for nine from two. <laughs> and and uh, the other coaches, I mean, Coach Miller, who's a legend in the state, who's a 10 times a better coach than me and coach we were playing Southern Valley and coach Lanham who's a Hall of Fame coach as well they looked at the box score after the game because that's where I'm from is down there Southern Valley area so they know me and they just kept shaking their head like I've never seen a, a box score like that and I'm like we have great shooters inside they were better than us we tried to get inside early against the zone we were terrible at it so we just told our guys ah let's just spread it and shoot it let's do what we do uh-huh. But, but there's this, this philosophy, this paradigm that you can't do that. You can't just shoot 43s. Well, if we have good shooters, why can't you? Yeah. Like, that's that's who we are. So we're going to do what we do, and if we miss them, then we'll, we're, we're okay with it, you know? Yeah. Do you guys uh, – two or three questions out of this. Um, do you guys do a lot of charting of your shots in the sense of 
uh, off season, we ask our kids to get X amount of shots in, or um, you know, here's here's the goals that we want you to hit as far as off season shooting or the program or anything like that. Let's start with that. Um, not really, to be honest. Like when we're at our summer, we go, our camp or whatever, and kids come in, and we'll do some stuff like that. Anytime it's organized, we'll do some of that. But really, I mean, we've just been so blessed to have kids that love the game that put time in that we haven't really had to do that with them. Um, we know they're putting in time. We know they're shooting. Um, so we really haven't done a lot of that. I mean, you probably would expect maybe we would, but we really haven't. And it'll be interesting um, going forward if we do more of that. Um, but we really haven't. I think, you know, going back to why kids put the time in, kids are motivated to put the time in because they know they're going to get the freedom to do it. You know, if you play in a system, and I've seen people that win at a high level, they're in these systems. But if you're in a system where you know that, like, Jimmy and Joe are going to get a shoot 20 times a game, and I'm never going to get a shoot, all I'm going to do is screen, well, then what motivation do you have to shoot? Like, if you if you really know that I'm really going to get a shoot once or twice a game, that's it. I mean, for a normal 17-year-old kid, it's just really hard to be motivated to do it if you realize you're probably never going to get a chance to shoot anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are human beings. And so I think the first part about kids putting time in is they know that, like, if they showed us they have the ability, we're going to let them have the green light. So I think that's the first part of it. Yeah. Do you guys ever chart in practice, or do you have a goal of, hey, every day we are going to block out X amount of time for shooting, or we're going to I'm, – I'm going to have – like one of the things I did this year was especially starting over with a new program, and we really wanted to emphasize shooting, and we're you know going to continue to do that. But the first – Two weeks at least of practice. I had a manager. I would say, okay, you're going to watch uh, Kenzie today, mm-hmm. and I want you to all your your job is to watch her, and you're going to mark down how many times she shoots, including her her pre practice warm up, and you're just going to sit there, boom, boom, slash it, slash it, slash it, and what total number does Kenzie have at the end of the day? And then the next day it would be you know Maddie or whatever it be, and we had a number that we wanted to average. For each player, we wanted to get each player X amount of shots. Our, our goal was to get 250 shots every practice for our players to do that much shooting. Um, do you guys ever do anything like that? No, but I love that. I'm going to use that. That's fantastic. Um, that's really, really good because we, we, yeah, that is so good. You're, I don't you're, know why you're, you're welcome. That. You're welcome. Hey, yeah, you know, I, I, expect a, I, I expect a kickback now from, from AC Hoops. Absolutely. We'll get, <laughs> get that in the mail tomorrow. Um, You'll probably great, double my though. salary, so. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I, as you're saying that, I was I was thinking, like, how many shots do they get up? So was it pretty normal they get around 250 or? Um, I think the most any kid got in a day was like 275. And, That's really good, though. Uh, and ultimately, okay, so the goal is 250. Uh, but especially with introducing a completely new system, everything was new. The drills were new. The the every you know obviously you're, right. you're you're starting from scratch. We didn't even get to, a chance to do a whole lot during the summer last summer because of COVID. So right. um, I felt like okay, two fifties the goal. I can live with two hundred. Um, uh-huh. We try and, to get we try to get numbers as far as like amount of time shooting. Mm-hmm. I try to look at it every day. If we have a two hour practice, try to get between. Between 20 and 30 minutes. I mean, and obviously some days a little bit more, some days a little bit less, but you try to get up there. And, and Coach Flecht is our best advocate um, for this. He's been in my ear all the time, and he's he's a passionate man. And when we are not shooting enough, he is very aggressive and in my face saying we need to shoot more. 
and I need that. And so um, we look at just as far as te- time as a team, mm-hmm. how much time we're putting into shooting. Um, we try to do a lot of drills and practice where they're competitive, so you're, you're shooting to a number. Yeah. So there's always a goal with what they're doing. Um, you know, I remember when I was in Donovan trying to learn how to do things, I had Coach Weeks come and do our camp three summers. So he came and stayed at my house um, and did two days of our summer camp. And I just tried to write down everything he said and try to learn from him. And one of the things we still do, we do something called four-minute max. And um, this is the beginning of practice. They got four minutes and one kid, one ball, and they shoot threes and they just run and run to every miss, run to every make and go to three-point line and see how many threes they can make in four minutes. And he talked about how any kid in the state, pretty much, if you say, what's your bench max, they'll give you a number. Like, what's your bench? Oh, I bench 200 pounds or I bench 185 or whatever. And he's like, how many kids know their four-minute max? And I just thought, well, that's kind of interesting to think about, but nobody even knows what to say to that. But that, when he was at Beatrice at that time, and I'm guessing he probably still does it at Auburn, and we do it, like, our kids should know their four-minute max. Like, what's the most threes they can make in four minutes? I think the more things you can do like that with the number, the better it is for kids, too. Yeah, we, we did – you know, a lot of it was competitive, and um, you know, we yeah, we we changed uh, some some things, and, and and you tweak things. You know how it is. You you come up with stuff on paper, and then you get into it, and you're like, okay, well, let's let's do this like this. This makes more sense, and and that type of a thing. But I was just I was just kind of curious. As much as you guys emphasize shooting, and and uh, you know, just just seeing if if you had ever thought about doing some some things like that. So. I love it. I mean, with our AC Hoops kids, and we do it every third grade on when they go to, to summer camp. We've said this for 12 years. We say this a lot. We say, if you want to be a player in this day and age in a good program, you've got to be able to shoot it and handle it. I mean, if you can't shoot it and handle it and you get on the floor, that means you're an elite, freaky athlete. Otherwise, you're probably never going to play. Mm-hmm. And so if, if anybody wants to play, we just tell them, you got to shoot it, you got to handle it. And so what is the most fun thing to do in basketball is to shoot it. So we yeah. try to you know make it as fun as possible and get kids as many drills as possible they can do to shoot the basketball. Because that is, I mean, again, the game has changed. Unless you're 6'9", or unless you're like, unbelievably springy or jumpy or fast. I mean, you're going to have to be skilled to play in this day and age if you're in a good program, I think. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Coach, you got uh, time for one more quick thing? Yeah, I was going to ask you a question. I don't know if that works oh, that way, sure. too. Yeah, well, no, hey, let it rip. Too. Let it rip. So do you want me to ask my question first? Well, i tell you what. Why don't you ask your question, and we'll end it on that. Okay. All right. uh, if you have a good one, I'll go with yours. Okay. Well, you, you, you ask me, and we'll see how long it takes. But okay. I'm, I'm Italian, and sometimes I talk a lot. I'm going to say this, um, try as clear as possible, because I don't want to be misunderstood by anybody listening, but I am curious as to your opinions with the ongoing debate about the shot clock, because, and I'll say, here's my background, is again, I've been on the advisory committee for the Coaches Association for 10 years, I understand the reasons why we don't have one with our right to vote, which is is really probably the preeminent thing why we don't get it, is because we know we would lose our seat at the table with the National Federation as a Mm -hmm. state, I understand that. But I think it's interesting. It's very, very polarizing, I think, when you um, listen to coaches and you see coaches talk on Twitter and different things. And obviously after the state tournament, I mean, you know, I mean, Auburn and Class B, and the game is very, very slow. And it's, it's very difficult for me to say anything because it seems like sour grapes. Yes. And so the thing I want to say is, like, we have held the ball. I mean, even though we want to run and play fast, when we played Hastings High in that game a year ago, mm-hmm. um, that was the epic game probably maybe of my – coaching career what a wonderful night we had a possession we had at a minute 40 
mm-hmm. and I hated I hated doing it. Yep. But in that situation, we're like, we're not going to win. They were starting to make a run, and we're like, we're not going to win if we just keep running and shooting with them because we felt they were better than us. And so mm-hmm. we're like, we have to do something to win. So I don't blame any coach at all for being deliberate because yep. we do the same thing. Yep. But I guess my point is I think it's better for the game. I think that you know anybody good, and we are 100% in the same boat as everybody else, anybody good with four and a half minutes to go in the fourth quarter, if you have an eight-point lead, start spreading the floor and yep. stretching it and shortening the game. Yep. And, you know, um, so again, obviously the naysayers could come back and say, well, you got to make a shot if you want to beat Auburn. And they're a hundred percent right. Yep. I mean, so that's on us. I am not complaining about that. I'm just saying in the big picture, I'm curious what your thoughts are because I think there's great coaches and people I respect on both sides of this. So I'm just kind of curious what your opinion is. Um, here is my thought. I have, I, I agree with what you said about and I've been there um, where okay I think any coach should take the rules of the situation that's presented to them and maximize it to match their team's skill set and abilities yep. and um, I'm a guy you know I'm I'm with you in the sense of in a perfect world I want to run I want to fly around I want to press I think that's what kids enjoy I think kids I think it gives you an opportunity as a coach to play more kids in, yep. in those situations, so forth and so on. I think it rewards programs um, who, um, who who put in the time, who develop depth and players. Uh-huh. And, and again, especially at the smaller schools, sometimes just that you don't win the DNA lottery. And I, and I get that. I completely understand that. And even at big schools, you don't win the DNA lottery all the time, you know? Um, uh, however, and, and I put this up on uh, somebody's Twitter where the, the shot clock thing came up. If you, uh, uh, Tony Bennett controls tempo with a shot clock. Mm-hmm. If you're a good coach, and you still want to play a deliberate style, you can still control tempo with a shot clock in place. I think, Absolutely. I think uh, especially uh, in any high-profile game, or in, in any game at all, um, like you said, if you run into a scenario where there's four minutes left, and you're up eight, and you start spreading the floor, then essentially we've only played a 28-minute game. Right. And the game was meant, there's 32 minutes on the clock, so let's, Let's play it out. I think it puts an emphasis. I think a shot clock puts an emphasis on coaching, on developing your coach. And you could say, okay, now here's the other side of that argument. People will say, well, I am developing my coaching because I am teaching my kids how to uh, value the ball and to stay strong and to go and hit free throws and so forth and so on. Well, okay, I would compare that to money. Um, What you're teaching your kids in that situation is you're teaching kids how to put money into their savings account and how to save money in that regard. Okay. And that's a smart thing to do is to, to have money in your savings account. Um, but what if you're in that situation, you're, you're up eight, there's four minutes left, but there's a, there's a 35 second shot clock. Well, that's like teaching your kids how to manage their money on the stock market, which is another level, which is you, if you learn how to manage it in that way, you're going to make even more money by doing it like that. Uh-huh. And, and so I am all for the shot clock. I don't buy the argument of, well, we'd have to train somebody. There's somebody there's, that's always trained. Do, do I think, do I, I think it's a varsity only thing. 
I, I, I don't think you need to do it at the JV level or the freshman level or the junior high level, but at the varsity level, uh, the shot clock should be in place, in my opinion. I think if you're a guy that wants to play a deliberate style, you can still play a deliberate style. Uh, we just saw it last night. Uh, was it Abilene Christian beat Texas 53-52 to 52 or some, some score yep. like that? You know, Tony Bennett has been successful, um, you know, so forth and so on. So um, I, I, think it's, I think it's just better for the game. Um, people don't pay money whether it's a December 1st game or a March 1st game, to watch kids stand around and go into four corners. Um, yeah. And I, I just think, I don't, ultimately, if you give your kids true serum, do the kids want to play that way or do they want to stay active for the whole 32 minutes and still try to make plays for the whole 32 minutes? I think if you're, if you're down eight with four minutes left to go, it, it, puts the game in more doubt. It makes you win the entire 32 minutes instead of just having to win 28 minutes. Um, yeah. so it's, that's, it's that's just interesting. Thing. I appreciate your thoughts. I mean, it's just interesting. And again, it, it's a bigger picture question, but it's just interesting because there's so many people that are, are, like I said, it's kind of a polarizing issue. And I think we all as coaches want what's best for the game. And um, Like I said, I mean, you said it perfectly that any coach worth a darn is going to do what they can to win. And so, like I said, we've held it. We've done different things and mm-hmm. spread the floor. And mm-hmm. um, I appreciate your thoughts. Yeah, I just I think it's a good conversation to continue having as coaches in the state to try to better the game. Yeah, and 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 it's it is a polarizing topic because there is that still that that certain belief. Now, and I put this on the on the Twitter thing that I put eighty to ninety percent of your possessions in the flow of the game are less than thirty seconds. Regardless uh-huh. of whether or not there's a shot clock or not, either you shoot it or you turn it over. Uh, so it's it's not about that stuff. It's just like anything else. Um, your you know your your finals game, the Class B final this year, last year in the girls state tournament, uh, there was a trip. I think it was either double or triple overtime between Crete and Grand Island Northwest. And in I want to say, and I forget the exact number, and you can go back to the roundtable podcast that we did way last March on this. Because we did a pod, ta- we did a roundtable right after that. But I want to say something like there was eight shots from the field in eleven minutes of playing time of game clock. There were eight total shots in a state uh-huh. semifinal. Uh-huh. Yeah, that is not why we're here. Right. No, no, that's the rules of the game. That's the right. rules of the game. Both teams felt like that gave them the best uh, opportunity to win, but. It's just not the way the game is intended to be played at its core, at its heart. And why is the NBA more popular than it ever has been? It's because of the pace of the game. It's because of the players, the way the players are playing, especially on offense. It's the scores. It's the passing. It's the skill development. And that's what we want to come see at the gym. And that's the way most coaches want the game. That's the way they want to coach the game. So, yeah, and I think if it happens, I think it's one of those that um, you could have an easy way to do it, I think, is you could just have it at the, you know, sub-district, district, and state level. Mm-hmm. You could do it that way. And, and so if people don't want to do it at their gyms, they don't have to. But it's kind of like, you know, the state uses a, a Baden basketball. Well, I could use Spalding all year, but I know when it gets to districts, I'm going to have to use a Baden basketball. Mm-hmm. 
So, because you know the state doesn't enforce what ball you use, but you're going to use the one that's going to be a state. So, if you know that in the postseason you're going to have to play a certain way, then more people would kind of adapt to that during the year. But that way, it's not the financial hardship on the schools or you know finding people or whatever. And, but I just think it's a good conversation to have. No, so I appreciate your thoughts on that. It is, it is, and 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 it's a conversation we need. If we're not, <clears throat> excuse me, if we're not constantly talking about the evolution of the game, then we're not evolving, and then we're dead. And, and yep. we need to continue to have those conversations, whether some people want to have those conversations or not. So, uh, I'm curious, what was your last question? I, you've had such good questions. I want to know what it was. Uh, we were going to talk about your practice setup. Um, you know, let's 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 go two minutes on your on okay. your practice setup here. Really, really lots of activity. Um, we try to do all of our talking beforehand, so that way it's from drill to drill to drill to drill. We try to have very little downtime. Um, we have music on a lot um, because we try to simulate, you know, game situations where um, it's loud and you can't hear. And do the kids get to pick their music, or do you pick it? Um, I pick it, and they make fun of me because <laughs> I think I'm, I think I'm pretty cool. We play a lot of Drake and different stuff, and so they, you know, oh. middle aged me uh, picking the hip hop music. They, uh, I found this out over the years. They make fun of me a lot more than I realize when I'm not paying attention, but. But uh, I listen to them. This year, actually, I, I got tired of getting made fun of, so I let them make a playlist. Um, so we listen to theirs most of the time, to be honest. But yeah, it's kind of interesting. Coach Asher said this this year. At the beginning of the year, when the COVID restrictions were in and very few people got to go to games, he said that he took out the music of his practices because he wanted to simulate the quiet gym that they'd be playing in. Oh, that's an interesting thought, yeah. I did think that was interesting because it was weird at the beginning of the year. I mean, there's just the, the energy wasn't the same and everything with very few people there. Mm-hmm. But typically, yeah, we're trying to make it as chaotic as possible in practice with energy and communication and music and different things because we think that simulates kind of more what uh, what the game is like. Mm-hmm. You're, you're a better man than I. I. Well, here's what I told my girls this year. You know, you can listen to whatever you want to as long as you play hard and as long as you concentrate. And you can, yep. we, can we can play the music. But as soon as we're not playing hard, as soon as we're not concentrating, uh, Duran Duran and REO Speedwagon are going in. And I never, <laughs> I've, I've, I've got three kids that are now young adults and, and teenagers. My, you know, my kids are a little bit older than yours. Uh-huh. Um, I have never listened to more Disney in my life than I did this past year. Oh, they were they were huge Disney fans, and and you know I was coaching girls, so it's a little bit different yep. uh, musical taste uh, stereotypically. But man, uh, oh, it, it, there's there's a couple of those Disney soundtrack songs. If I ever hear them again, I don't know what I'm going to do. But but we 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 never uh, we never really. And this is a compliment to my kids, and they were so easy to coach this year. Uh, they only had to listen to Duran Duran maybe like one day, and then and then they got it, and, and they did not want to listen to uh, Save a Prayer or Hungry Like the Wolf ever again as well. So it, it worked both ways. It worked both ways. That's good stuff. That's good stuff, Coach. Coach, uh, any social media you want to plug for your program? Uh, we're, we're on Twitter, obviously, um, at Coach Z Foster is our Twitter handle for our boys basketball program. Um, we try to put a lot of stuff on there and, uh, that's about it really social media wise. I don't have basketball Instagram or Snapchat or anything like that, but just our Twitter, we, we put a lot of stuff on Twitter for our program and try to learn from other people. And, um, I've been looking at, you know, at, at your stuff a lot recently and, uh, learn a lot already. So, you know, there's, there's negatives with social media. I mean, the stuff yeah. with Ohio state, that oh, kid, awesome. that's awful, Oh my goodness. but, um, there are positives too. I mean, it's so easy to learn anymore as a coach. There's so much stuff out there. Um, that uh, I use it a lot for for me to try to improve. So yeah, well, 
I appreciate it. Uh, thanks for plugging our Twitter feed. Uh, it's, it's greatly appreciated. And, and Coach, this has been a wonderful conversation. I hope you've enjoyed being on the pod. Oh, I loved it, man. I really, really appreciate the offer and the opportunity to talk with you. Yeah, awesome. Well, hold the line here. I'm going to wrap some things up, and, and, and we'll let you get on with your Sunday morning here. So, All right, uh, thank you. Zach Foster, the boys' basketball coach at Hastings Adams Central High School. Uh, terrific conversation this morning. Appreciate all that he brings to the game. Uh, of course, we want to thank COSAC Chiropractic for sponsoring the pod. If you're in any need of chi- chiropractic services, don't hesitate to give Dr. Kevin or Dr. Heidi a call at 402-964-0300. Teachhoops.com. Give it a give it a try here. Backslash APAAN. It's a 14-day free trial, so give it a go. Again, a reminder, our, our first annual uh, pen and a napkin coaches clinic at Fort Calhoun, May 1st. Uh, come out and, and partake. We're gonna, again, hopefully, uh, while this is dropping, we're finalizing everything. And so today, I'm saying this on Sunday, saying it for today, that hopefully uh, most of our speakers will be out there in their topics. Uh, follow us on Twitter, a pen and a napkin. Download, rate, review the podcast. And then, of course, if, if, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me at pennandanapkin at gmail.com. My name is Marty Plum. This has been Zach Foster, the head boys basketball coach at Hastings Adams Central High School. Coaches, as always, let's stay safe, let's pray for peace, and let's be sure to hone our craft one day at a time. <laughs>